0: Coming up on Studios America, we expected the media to absolutely fawn over Joe Biden and Kamala Harris this election season, but I don't think even I expected to be this mushy. Grab your Gallagher ponchos, because when there's a Democrat in office, the media just can't contain themselves. And we'll look at the latest Hollywood celebrity to be canceled for not submitting to the will and hive mind of the left. Uh, one day they'll cancel Ban Affleck, but today not his day, I guess. Uh, Today uh, is your day, I think. If you want the show for free, uh, you can watch it on YouTube. Just search My Name Stu. I'll be the first one there. Or subscribe to the podcast version of this show at iTunes or your favorite provider. Remember to rate us five stars, which is the appropriate number of stars, and leave a review. It's great. Whatever. I'll read it at the end of the show. Uh, Get your Santifa Claus T-shirt, sweatshirt, mug, whatever you want. It's cheaper than AOC's sweatshirt, and it's a lot more comfortable. It's, you're going to like that quite a bit, I think. And uh, consider one of our new mugs. Uh, it's not a riot. It's a mostly peaceful tree lighting. You can get it in shirts and sweatshirts and everything else. Available at com. Make your conservative Christmas gift recipient a lot more, uh, a lot better. Make it think their life I do i know, improve it a little bit. Jeez, everything's ruined this year. It's 2020. Give them a good thing for once. Sure, there's a lot of news going on right now. I understand that. Why are we exclusively seeing, however, every little by new detail of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris? I can't take it. You know why. I know why. Let's do the media's new love affair.
1: Stu does America.
0: We spent a lot of time whining about the media on this program, proudly. And I guess the conservative side of the aisle does this a lot. We complain about what the media is doing, what they're saying, uh, how they cover things. And maybe we do it too much, honestly. It's, it's possible we do it too much. But I will say it's really frustrating to watch this all happen. After four years of the media's antagonistic relationship with the president, we are now seeing a total flip. A total change in tone, a total change in approach, and a kind of reverting back to a 2008 to 2016 type of thing, where you have you know Barack Obama was was loved by the press, he was adored by the press. The questions I remember doing shows where we were like, "Do you believe this?" Someone just asked Donald Trump or excuse me, Barack Obama a good question. They asked him a good question, a tough question. We loved seeing it. It was so rare. Look at the coverage we're getting so far on, uh, on Joe Biden and his election situation. Uh, the New York Times says Biden wins the presidency, ending four tumultuous years under Trump. Again, like that's is that journalism? Uh, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. achieved victory, offering a message of healing and unity. He will return to Washington facing a daunting set of crises. Uh, Brian Stelter had a tweet as well uh, in light of the multiple crises Biden is inheriting Jake Tapper asked What does it feel like? What is the emotion that goes through you? The first words out of Biden's mouth were I'm determined <sighs> This is just the way it's gonna be <laughs> You just kind of recognize this. It's just the way it's gonna be uh, That doesn't mean we don't point it out over and over again. I was fascinated by this development um the Washington Post had a uh, story. Uh, Biden is building a team that looks like the people it serves. Oh, it looks like the people it serves. And it goes through all of his appointments. And again, he's not like the white supremacist Donald Trump administration, who's supporting, you know, obviously appointing all white men to every post. Not exactly sure that's true, but we'll come back to it. Uh, uh, but this is just like, OK, Here, what are they praising here? Diversity, right? Let me give you this, this quote. Um, there are some who might argue that making these announcements, it would just be fine to let the images speak for themselves. They tell the story of diversity in gender and race and ethnicity. They reflect the composition of the country. According to the Biden website, those folks considered senior staff members, 17 are women and seven are men. The economics team is made up of four women and two men. The communications team is all women. Those who are advising him on the coronavirus pandemic are a lot uh, very diverse as well. Okay, I got that. So we're praising the diversity. You got all different colors and shapes and rainbows and all different private parts, which is obviously what this is all about. But I don't understand. Like the media comes together to give Biden credit if he's diverse or not. If he's diverse, they give him credit for being diverse. But I mean, let's look at. uh, Look at his communication staff. This uh, look at this headline. Biden hires all female senior communications team. Okay, so does he get credit because he's hiring a diverse staff of a mixture of genders? Or does he get credit when he hires all one gender? Because you gave him credit for diversity, and now you're giving him credit for an all-female staff. That's not diversity. An all-female staff is not diversity. It shouldn't be something theoretically we're supposed to brag about. Why would we be bragging about excluding a gender? I thought we were supposed to praise diversity. And of course, if you're gonna praise an all-female staff and lots of females in the communications world, You'd think Trump would have been a, a, a recipient of that sort of praise. This was pointed out by Kayleigh McEnany. She writes, President Donald Trump already has an all-female senior White House press team. So does the VP. So does FLOTUS. So does the second lady. The completely discredited, in all capital letters, Washington Post once again reveals their binding propagandist fake news uh, proclivities. Uh, you know, is, it, is it a peculiar, like, because there was a response here from uh, the Washington Post um, or did I write it down? Here it is. Um, Kay- Kaylee McEnany's peculiar complaint about coverage of Biden's all-female press team is it peculiar? Isn't it? Wouldn't it bother you if you were running? A, you had a bunch of women, uh, and uh, you were running around in, in a communications team that was almost all women, and you get no credit for that. And then Joe Biden names women to his communications team and she gets credit. And it's a a really realistic complaint uh, from McEnany. Now, The Washington Post pushes back on that and they say, well, some of her underlings are male. Uh, Therefore, uh, Biden still has more women. And I guess that makes it more impressive. So the fact that we that Kayleigh McEnany is managing men. So the woman is running the department. The men are the underlings that proves That there's less diversity than the all-women team on the other side? You're trying too hard here, right? Like, this is the problem. You can't give Biden credit for diversity and hiring all one gender. You can't. But they'll do it anyway, and they'll do it over and over and over again. I mean, they'll give him credit on stuff like, I mean, even the most ridiculous nonsense. Uh, They'll give him credit on stuff like this. The New York Times has a story, and here is the title. A cat... A cat is said to be joining the Bidens in the White House. A cat. Biden said it was time for a pet to be put back in the White House. Um, There's a couple of German shepherds going to be going back in the White House, and now they're going to bring a cat in there. And I don't know if it's going to be any cat. If it's going to be their pet cat, if they're just going to be torturing cats in some room in the White House, certainly wouldn't put it past any politician to do something like that. But uh, the Bidens will have a cat, and this is like acting like this is big news, like this is important stuff. Listen to this report. I think it's from. Is it from uh, CBS? Is Is it CBS? Yeah. Listen to this.
1: And now some breaking news. President-elect Joe Biden and his wife Jill won't just be bringing their German shepherds, major and champ, to the White House. The Bidens tell us exclusively that soon they'll be joined by a cat. (gasps) Oh, my
0: gosh! And now some breaking news. A kitty cat has come into the White House. You should like the Bidens. They're just like you. They have a kitty cat, too. I don't expect Joe Biden to get the sort of criticism, the, the critiquing constantly, the infighting, the tough questions. I don't expect it to happen. I don't expect it to be like it was during the Trump administration. But I would at least expect they'd try to hide it for the shortest amount of time. Unfortunately, yet again, and on this one, I am completely wrong. So do you want to lose weight? You want to lose weight quickly. Do you want to lose weight in a way that uh, you can get further motivation out of it? And I'll explain what what I mean by that. I feel like when I am, you know, I'm trying to lose some some poundage uh, and I go to, I have a day where I think, I'm like, I eat pretty good today. And then I go and I weigh weigh in the next day and I'm up maybe a pound or I'm up a half a pound. You kind of know in reality that if you stay on a, a diet, strictly for a long period of time eventually the weight comes off sometimes you might gain a pound in a week but you'll lose maybe a couple more the next week it evens out um i hate that frankly i hate it you know why i get depressed i get uh i lose all of my motivation when uh you go and you weigh in and you've actually put on a half a pound what the hell am i doing this for well fast blast uh, takes that out I, I at least it's my experience with fast blast because You go, you take, they have these great smoothies that help you through the day, but it's intermittent fasting. You've never done intermittent fasting. You can lose weight a lot faster than you're normally used to. You can lose weight and watch that scale change every single day. Uh, I love that. Do your own homework. Make sure you check this out and understand how to do it, uh, understand the right ways to do it. There's lots of tricks of the trade that Fast Blast can kind of help you with, but if you go to fastblast.com slash blaze, you can get the smoothies there. You can get the program there. They can walk you through how exactly to do it. You can even go to their app, Fasten, F-A-S-T-E-N, at your, in your app uh, store on your phone, and they can make this Interesting, fun, and you can make sure you do it the right way. It's fastblast.com blaze. Lose weight and see that scale move every day. Fastblast.com blaze. Happy to welcome back to the program Matt Kibbe. He's the president of Free the People and the host of Kibbe on Liberty
1: right here on Blaze TV. Matt, thanks for coming it's in. It's really good to be here. It is. Is it weird to get out of the house? I mean you're I, in DC, right? I love it. It feels pretty liberating just to I mean I don't really like people, but <laughs> it's, it's been so long, it feels pretty good. Yeah, I know I have kind of a I think I'm gonna keep some
0: of these measures long term. Yeah. After COVID, I will keep the social distancing thing. I'm kind
1: of okay with that.
0: Yeah. I don't need to see that many people. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll avoid some family gatherings.
1: But it's not all bad. Yeah, I'm a libertarian and I've been practicing social distancing since I was a, a teenager. Yeah,
0: right. <laughs> That's the way it works. Yeah. Uh, what's D.C. like right now? I mean, you know, Texas is a different world. I found yeah. talking to so many people across the country. They don't you know, I, I almost feel excluded. I don't understand the lockdown conversation in the way so many people do, because Texas is different.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's um, it, we are super locked down. And every day I see mostly young people outside wearing masks all the time. Mm-hmm. It's become sort of a civic religion. Yep. Um, but we also have a mayor who's just as hypocritical as the mayor of Austin. Um, she she wanted us all to shelter in place, but she did take time to take her team up to the Joe Biden election celebration. So oh, that, and she said that that's essential. I don't
0: Celebrating Joe Biden is essential. I'm pretty sure that's not true.
1: In, in other words, whatever I do is essential, <laughs> yeah. but let the rest of us eat cake.
0: There is a lot of that there, right? Yeah. It's, a lot of it is motivated by, you have to understand they're our betters, right? Yeah. If we understand that the they are better than us, then we can understand these rules. Because, I mean, like the John Lewis funeral was a good example of that. John Lewis was apparently so important that his funeral was allowed to be attended. Yeah. Where your grandma? Who? who who's, who's your grandma? No one knows who that is. You forget that funeral. You're never going to see her again. But we get to go to this funeral because we really like that person.
1: It seems. It seems like lockdown phase one, you had that. That sort of elitist, like I'm too important to follow these rules. But phase two, particularly this, this, this jokester who is the mayor of Austin, who filmed a don't go anywhere from his vacation in Cabo. <laughs> it's so um, amazing. And my question was, does he actually believe that lockdowns work or are they doing something else now? Is it, is it no longer about keeping people safe or at least protecting politicians who don't want to get blamed for, for not doing enough? Yeah. That explained round one, but now I'm thinking they never believed this. Mm. Like if, you ta- if you're taking your family and your friends to Cabo, you don't believe that lockdowns work.
0: Right. Especially if you're going to Mexico where yeah. they haven't even attempted to, to stop the virus. Right. They, they've done nothing in yeah. Mexico at all. Right. You're flying into Mexico. That's a, that's not a move of a person who's taking this seriously. Right. And I think like the, the lockdown conversation has always been an interesting one from the beginning, you know, because we've never had, a, a, I guess, a real full lockdown. But there's, it's been really restricted in a lot of places. And, you know, they keep talking about, well, if we lock down, we need to stay away from each other. We can stop the spread of the virus. Well, you know, if we go three miles an hour, we can stop a lot of, uh, of car accidents. But yeah. well, This is an operating society. We We can't just completely shut off
1: the gears for an entire year and expect to bounce back. You know, I'm not I'm not a scientist. I'm not a medical professional, but I've done a lot of reading on this. And this idea that lockdowns work, there's there's zero science to support this. This is a new experiment. Um, it 's probably taken from medieval times when you would hide from things that you didn 't understand, <laughs> and viruses don 't care about your fear they don 't care about um, whether or not you 're getting home by ten o'clock when you go out to the bars right and so like and I, I view this like i 'll wear masks to to respect other people 's anxiety um, when i 'm around other people but i 've read enough to realize that that all of this is is kind of like um, Virtue signaling more than than actual safety.
0: Yeah, I think too the media has done real damage in whatever benefit, and there might be some benefit to masks, but they're not the they're not this panacea. Yeah. And the media has presented them as if like just wear a mask and everything will be fine. And you wait people are so selfish you won't even do that. And we see over and over again places where these mask mandates exist have just as bad a flare up as as, as places nearby that don't have them. Um, That I think that media treatment and the virtue signaling that goes along with it, I think has actually really caused a lot of damage here.
1: Oh, it's it's tearing apart sort of the the respect we have for each other. You you can watch videos every day of somebody getting attacked for not wearing a mask. And it's I'm I'm worried about the long term consequences of this. And it's it's sort of a twofold thing. One is just our our respect and civility for our fellow human beings. And you're seeing that fall apart. But but also the, the sort of submission of you will mm-hmm. wear a mask. Mm-hmm. And it. I'm I'm a little bit in the Glenn Beck camp. <laughs> I, I, I think there's something going on here. Yeah. And if you can get people to fall in line, let's let's just see what we can do next. I and, mean, we, we've talked about uh, the values of America and our
0: our attachment to freedom for a long time on radio and on this show and others. Yeah. And it it is. Look, I I, th- I think coronavirus is a serious issue and it's been really devastating to our country, but it is amazing to me and I never would have predicted it. You could have asked me in you know early March and I wouldn't have predicted it. The fact that people have gone along with these things willingly in this country, it is shocking to me.
1: Yeah. And it's I mean, I, I understand, particularly early on, there was a tremendous amount of fear about something that was unknown sure. and it was advertised as, as fundamentally different. Than previous episodes like this, and i 'm not sure it is so fundamentally different now after we've after we 've gone through the experience, but the deference we give to scientists and not not all scientists there's all sorts of disputes mm-hmm. in the scientific community about how best to deal with this but but the government scientists, you know, guys like Fauci, he's, mm-hmm. you know, they've they put him on religious candles now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's, that ain't science, by the way. I heard that's he was the opposite a, of that. He was on
0: some women's underwear, and I yeah. thought that was really weird. Like, this old, frail sort of guy who's, you know, rattling off statistics about a virus. I mean, usually you don't want viruses near your underwear in yeah. any circumstance, yeah, I mean, it's a terrible idea.
1: And. Like you, I mean, there is this thing called YouTube. You can actually watch Fauci mm-hmm. contradict himself yeah. again and again and again.
0: Yeah, and some of—I mean, some of that I understand, right? Like, I can even though Andrew—I have Chris Cuomo is worse out right now, but Andrew Cuomo was awful. Yeah. Even Andrew Cuomo, I think there is some grace to be given to these guys in February, and March, and as they're learning about it and trying to figure it out. There really was a panic there, yeah. uh, but as it, as time goes on. You, you can't, as a government, expect people to go along with these things when you're continually changing your advice and you know, harassing them and then going to Cabo. Like People are just not going to go along with it right or wrong.
1: It's kind of like there's uh, my favorite economist, and I always quote Frederick Hayek wherever I go, which is why people think I'm weird, but <laughs> he has this phrase about, about government planners that think they know too much. It's mm-hmm. a fatal conceit. Mm-hmm. And that was my take from day one. We don't understand the virus which is precisely why you want a decentralized bottom-up approach to solving the problem. You don't want the FDA to get in, in the process. You don't want the governor of New York deciding arbitrarily, we're going to house um, COVID patients in a nursing home. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know. I mean, although that he should have known that. That
0: would <laughs> seem kind of obvious.. Have been obvious oh, yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> but
1: they're doing all of the, like they're, they're punching all these levers of, of micromanagement of, of a wildly complex problem. And I think a lot of people got killed and and you could have done the opposite and said, okay, let's use common sense. Mm -hmm. Let's let innovators innovate. Let's let hospitals figure out how to best manage um, segregation so that sick people don't get exposed to this. Because everybody's situation, everybody's state, everybody's city, everybody's kind of facing a different situation. That would have been the right approach. It It was never this isn't dangerous. It was government arrogance is even more dangerous than a virus. Mm. And that's what we missed. How do you balance this?
0: I mean, because if, if, you're, if you're in the government, there's you know, I think there are very few things the government should be doing. I know we agree on that part of it. Pandemic response, though, is one that I think probably clears that bar at some level. Yeah. There are things that the government can do. I would have liked to have been a lot more prepared for this before it started. I mean, I was shocked to see that we didn't have freaking masks for people in hospitals like that. How is that happening? Um, and it takes time. And capitalism addresses these things. We've seen it with the vaccines. There's been a lot of interesting things that have happened over time. Um, but. Is there some sort of balance between this idea that everyone's going to go out and and make up their own mind? And is there a role for government, not only with restrictions, as has been part of what we have talked about, but also spending? I mean, there's been spending to levels we never would have even conceived of. I mean, we used to talk about Barack Obama's stimulus plans and think those were were huge. We're
1: doing three and four of those in a week. Yeah. Well, like if in a we you and i could agree on rational things that the government could have done to help and spending that would have gone to the right things but but i always go back to this idea that government fails and government fails particularly when you need them not to mm. and you mentioned like why don't we have masks there was there was a cache of masks mm-hmm. and medical equipment um, that the obama administration completely neglected and so when they got to that st- that stash in March or April, I forget when it was, all the masks were rotten. All the equipment was shot. They they had spent the money and they were supposedly ready, but it was a lie because the budgeting process of the U.S. government does not rationally allocate resources towards the things that matter. So I would always be skeptical, even for the things I really wanted them to do, because they certainly claimed that they were ready for something like this for for years and they weren't.
0: And they weren't. And I, I, I find that to be utterly amazing. I, I, you know, again, I in my vision of government, which is much different than the one we actually have, they're doing pretty much nothing except planning for things like this. Yeah. And even in those circumstances, they're much more limited than I think we've seen here, uh, particularly as far as restrictions go. How do you kind of rate the the response from the federal government? Trump got a lot of criticism early on for not doing things in a federal way. Um, later on, he, you know, people criticized him for sort of losing interest in this and not talking about it and not doing a lot, not doing the briefings anymore. How, do you, how would you rate his response?
1: You know, he, he was a little bit all over the place and he was getting pulled by his advisors in a more lockdown approach. I, I sort of liked his first instinct. You know, we can't lock down the economy. Hmm. And, and, you know, remember how much abuse he got for, you know, if lockdowns work, the, he was the leader in the sense that he shut down travel from China to the United States. Yeah. If, if that logic of lockdowns actually works, that was probably the smartest thing you could have done. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm skeptical that you can manage viruses like that, but I'm not an expert. But the, 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 the frustration I have is anybody, you could look at what Sweden has done, you could look when Trump was raising skepticism, you could look at Kristi Noem mm-hmm. in South Dakota, the, the demonization of anybody that questions the civic religion on this. Do lockdowns really work? Scott Atlas, the advisor to the president, um, they've, been, they've been more than canceled, like, like they're, they're just being devastated yeah. by this, this status quo. And in an uncertain time when you don't really know what to do, you need a robust argument about the right approach to science, the right approach to virus mitigation. You know, where should the finances go to help people who are really in trouble? But politics is not rational like that. You can't, yeah. you can't go on the House floor and get a rational conversation about what should be done.
0: No. I, th- maybe the clearest example, I think, of, of this is the concept of closing schools, particularly for young kids. Yeah. From the beginning, I mean, even from the beginning, scientists were even saying Schools are the last thing you should be closing. Like where the, where the how the nurse is going to work at the hospitals if their kids are home from school. Yeah. I mean, they that was even clear in the science before uh, more information came out. And yet still. They were closed everywhere. We had our kids doing Zoom learning, uh, even at a private school, because every school in the state was closed at the beginning of this. Now, it's been a lot better uh, since, but some places are still doing Zoom schools. And, and, and despite the fact that the science is crystal clear on this, yeah. you keep the schools open.
1: It's a, it's a great example of government failure, in my mind, because the science, if we're following the science, the science was quite clear on this. Um, young people are not at risk, and, and there's, there's very little evidence of asymptomatic spread. But, uh, and I've talked to a number of teachers about this, it was the teachers unions who were worried about themselves. It wasn't about putting the kids first, which you would always think about would should be the right priority when it comes to, to education. And And that's why we should always be skeptical of a single one-size-fits-all solution. Mm. Uh, Government education is a classic example of that. It's never been about the kids. It's about the people that control the system. Yeah,
0: you know, I keep coming back to this because we, we know the very famous Rama manual, never let a crisis go to waste. And every once in a while, there's a dark part of me that says, you know, we really should think about that and utilize it a little bit more because here we are in a terrible crisis given, but an ultimate opportunity to convince parents that getting your kids in government school And leaving them as the victims of whatever whim comes up through the government, their education on the line, they're all falling behind now. Um, You know, we have our kids in private school. Uh, You know, we're fortunate enough to be able to do that. And because of that, our kids aren't falling behind. They're creating two tiers of children, some that are learning and some that aren't. And at some point, I want this to connect to people generally to say, I got to I got to end this. This this has got to be under my control, not the government's
1: control. I think there is a there's a learning process here happening with parents. First of all, they're discovering that they're not in charge. Their children are not the priority. Mm-hmm. It's about the, the bureaucrats that run the system. And second of all, they're getting a look at the curriculum, and they're getting a look at some of the more ridiculous and destructive things that their kids go through in this in this system. And I, I think you're going to see a lot more um, alternative approaches to education, and it's it's going to be hard for this, the, the machine to get the power back and that that's going to be a huge clash. But yeah, we, we need to look at this as an opportunity to teach people about why um, government promises don't really live up to everything that they hear.
0: Yeah, uh, it's it's really interesting balance here. You have, you have a couple more minutes to sure hang, hang around? Yeah. All right. Matt Kibbe, president of Free the People, host of Blaze TV's Kibbe on Liberty. Uh, and I will tell you, if you want to watch uh, Kibbe on Liberty, you can, of course, get a subscription to Blaze TV, blazetv.com slash stew. Promo code is Stu. You'll save 30 bucks off your subscription. Back with more with Matt in a second. Back with Matt Kibbe. Uh, so, Matt, we just went through a big election that seemingly will never end. Uh, what's your takeaway?
1: Well, I, I'm hoping for divided government. And, and I, I don't know what's going to happen in Georgia. But, uh, you know, as a libertarian, it would be skeptical of the fiscal responsibility of either party. Mm-hmm. And they've, they've sort of earned that skepticism. Divided government seems to work better. And I, you know, I, I worked on the Hill in, in the 1990s during the Republican Revolution. And And, uh, you know, thank goodness the Republicans took over because, you know, the Bill Clinton that was passing Hillary care and Mm -hmm. stimulus became the era of big government is over. Mm -hmm. He didn't mean it. He he didn't say it, though. He was forced by by that competition that he did that. So I'm hoping for that because it's going to be a disaster if if one party driven by a very radical agenda gets in power. Um, But the thing that I noticed that I, I don't I'm not seeing a lot of people talk about is the huge swing and historic turnout of young people against the Republican Party. Mm. Now is that just a vote against Donald Trump or is it a trend where where the AOCs of the world are really um, seducing young people with these ideas of democratic socialism and and all of the stuff she talks about. I I think we need to pay more attention to that and I'm not sure that, that conservative media or Republican Party politics is in any way capable of kind of fixing that problem. So so we've obsessed a lot about about how to communicate the ideas of liberty to young people, because if that trend sustains, um, we got a problem. But it's got to be upstream of politics. I, I don't think. Showing up for an election is a great place to talk about values and ideas. No, um, that's an understatement of the century. But <laughs> no,
0: uh, it's true. It doesn't see, and I, I do worry about that. I'll, I'll, I'll say, you know, I, I've noticed. I think a change in the, in this business uh, that we're in at the Blaze over the past, I don't know, five to ten years. Yeah. Well, really, it's gone away from ideas and more towards personalities and politics and battles and culture wars and all of that stuff. And I, and some of that's valuable. Like it's important to that's. Part of the way you go through ideas sometimes, but I don't know. I mean, I, I, it doesn't seem anchored in the same sort of principles that it was a few years ago. And yeah. and and when I talk about those things, a lot of times, you know, friends of mine who are more sort of on the populist side, more friendly to nationalism than I am, uh, will tell me, "Well, you're just in the past, and you need to update your thinking because we're in this war and we got to do all these things." And I'm not saying there's no place for that, but I think there has to also be place for the the, 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 the foundational ideas that support it.
1: Yeah, everybody, um, almost everybody that showed up in this election showed up to vote against somebody. Yeah. And and I'm, as you know, I'm an old Tea Party guy. And, and there was a time when a broad-based grassroots movement was very much driven by values and, and principles that, you know, they that the government should only do certain things. It should be limited by the constitution. That wasn't that long ago. I no, realized realize my, feels my like beard's it. a lot grayer than it used to be. <laughs> and so I, I think, I think it's gotta be done upstream. And so we, you know, we, we tell a lot of stories and, and the thing about my show that that's different than, than something you'd see on Fox news is I really, I try to get progressives to come on. I try to get, mm-hmm. I have libertarians and conservatives, um, but there's no shouting and you're not, not allowed to say something right and and you know the the trend that i see with with podcasts and binge watching on netflix is that young people very much are open to honest conversations as long as they don't feel like they're being manipulated yeah i think that the podcast
0: trend is is positive right i mean you're talking about long-form conversations you can go more in depth on on a particular topic I mean, I know from doing cable news for many years and then coming here and, and able to kind of sit back in this format, you're able to get through a, a lot more. I, and you really are able to investigate these ideas.
1: Yeah, and I, I think there was this mythology that young people had short attention spans. And it yeah. turns out that Facebook <laughs> imposed short attention spans on all of us. And mm-hmm. we're all guilty of this now. And, the, you know, the feed doesn't allow you to sort of dig into something. So they've migrated to streaming services where they'll, you know, They'll go watch Joe Rogan for three hours, yeah, three hours. Like nobody saw that coming. But I think there's an intellectual honesty to just conversations with people, even if you disagree with them. You know, can we still sort of hash that stuff out? And I think if there's an honest argument, um, our ideas actually fare pretty well. Like mm-hmm. we, we do have some some strong arguments and some some good data to back them up. Um, but if it's a shout fest, I don't know if if i'm if i'm 18 and i'm choosing between Donald Trump and AOC who am I going to choose?
0: Nobody wins in that, no, I feel like, in a lot of ways. Right. You know, I mean, again, like Trump did some things I really liked. Um, AOC has never done a thing that I really like, but except sell a $65 sweatshirt. I kind of like her for that. Yeah. But, I mean, it's, 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 it's one that of... dirty capitalism. Yeah, I know. Behind it all, capitalism always wins. Uh, let me hit that for a second, though, because there is this battle on the right going on, sometimes friendly, sometimes not, between uh, sort of the rights-based conservatism Uh, And the common good conservatism. Uh, I know you're going to fall on the rights-based side. I do as well. But how do you see that battle playing out? And is that the way? Is that what we're looking at here for the next few years?
1: So, like, as as a sort of a a libertarian that that sort of very much travels in the in the rights-based space, we're even more guilty than I think um, conservatives are, not talking about the common good stuff and Mm -hmm. libertarians in particular bad about talking about community and the power of community and the importance of, of the things that people can do when they work together from the bottom up. And, and not just, um, not just the sort of nationalist right has hijacked that, but AOC also like she, she has this language where she talks about community. So, um, you know, don't tread on me is great, Mm -hmm. but the other half of that is let's cooperate and figure out stuff out and get stuff done because I do care about my neighbor. I want him to succeed too. So I think we need to rethink the way that, that we explain at least, or the way we think about the power of community because that's, You know, communities are driven by individuals who are free to make choices to cooperate with each other. Mm -hmm. You can't compel them to do that. Yeah, that's fake community.
0: And that needs to be things, though, that you decide on your own. Part of my concern with uh, the common good conservatism sort of angle is there's not really a limiting principle there. Right. Whatever you kind of feel at at any given time is the right decision. I mean, you're picking winners and losers. You're doing all these things that we've been critical of all this time. And you see, I think it happened with big giveaways that happened throughout the Trump administration, for example. I mean, there was not not a a minute anyone talked about spending for the last four years. That's a real problem.
1: You know, a great example, like so when you become an activist wanting to use the power of government to protect and expand conservative values, You also are building an infrastructure for the next guy to come along and take those same tools, that same power, and use it for the opposite reason. Here's a great example. Uh, President Trump um, very much um, superpowered something called the Defense Production Act, Mm -hmm. which is essentially a blank check that Joe Biden is going to use to impose his entire COVID agenda on the public. And, you know, maybe we trusted Donald Trump to use it better. Maybe right. he was maybe he's going to be smarter about it, but I would always worry about the next guy. Mm. And, and this is like this is where that whole constitutional conservatism comes from. We don't want an executive with too much power. We don't want a Congress with too much power. We want to limit that stuff so that people are free to solve problems. And and I just don't see how you um, can do that as a. Big government conservative. They wouldn't call themselves that, but no. it's, it, that's what it is.
0: In, in an activist uh, government in, in many ways. Yeah. Uh, let me hit one more here. And this one, I don't know, is probably only concerning to me and, and I think you. But the right has moved completely away from the issue of free trade. Yeah. And you know, I am of the belief that free trade is quite possibly the greatest single policy to help humankind since like the invention of ideas. It's yeah. like m- yeah. super important and f- foundational to everything that we've built here in the country. And we've ca- now come to a place where you know Bernie Sanders is almost winning Democratic primaries. Mm-hmm. Um, Donald Trump obviously was, you know, has a, ter- a big pro tariff agenda as he's pr- proudly uh, stated many, many times. Where are the people arguing even for the free exchange of goods and services? I mean, because that has really done so much good for the
1: world. Yeah, it's it's been frustrating to watch the decline in the support for free trade across the board over the last 20 years, because it it used to be um, pretty much standard procedure in the Republican Party, definitely to, to generally support free trade and. I think part of it is is the anxiety of, you know, starting with Wall Street bailouts and, and not mm. trusting the system and, and things that I very much agree with. They don't trust the system and they don't trust these mega deals where where you know, certain people get special carve outs and, and all that. But it is indisputable, indisputable from an economic perspective that free trade makes people better off. And we're just not very good at making these arguments, maybe. Um, and it's, it's kind of a geeky economic um, thing, but I just had uh, our mutual friend, Bob Lawson, the professor from um, uh, right up the street here. Uh, free trade is one of the criteria for his, his, his economic freedom index. And there is an absolute correlation between more free trade economies and more prosperous economies. And the, the data is indisputable. Mm. And yet... There are people watching this show right now that are probably calling you and me horrible names on Twitter. <laughs> yes, they are because they they don't um, they they don't buy that argument, and and maybe it's just distrust of government more than distrust of trade.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I, I think too it's a lot to, to what you were saying earlier about. telling stories and and the narrative and that like, you know, someone losing their job and people, you know, industries that people depended on going overseas, no one likes that part of it. But I mean, over time, it does seem to, uh, you know, I mean, I I would agree. It's it's indisputable that it makes humans uh, better off.
1: Uh, Frederick Bastiat, I'm going to drop two economists on your show. (laughs) Um, He supposedly once said that um, when goods don't cross borders, armies will. And we made a video about beer in Belgrade, Serbia. <laughs> and if you understand the region at all, you know that not too long ago, um, and certainly in my lifetime, um, those countries in that region were killing each other. There's a bloody, bloody, yeah. bloody war. And that's, there's a brewer in Belgrade, Serbia, who now collaborates. He makes beer across borders with all of those countries that used to hate each other just, great. just 15, 20 years ago. Great. So, so that, that, that free trade about a beer and everybody hopefully can agree that beers is, is a positive, um, virtue. Not, not,
0: not every night, but you know, some nights, <laughs> Well,
1: we'll argue about that later, but, but it, it is a metaphor for free trade. And I think, I think finding some, something that people care about and explaining why that is like, if you love your iPhone, do you, do you know where those parts come from? Yeah. If you love your car, do you know that those parts come from all over the world and without trade, you would either not be able to afford that stuff or you'd be paying twice as much. And to
0: clarify, uh, beer is great every night. It's the mornings uh, where sometimes
1: it's not. Yeah. Thanks for clarifying.
0: <laughs> Matt Kibbe, the president of Free the People and host of Blaze TV's Kibbe on Liberty. Uh, BlazeTV.com slash do. Get your uh, subscription, 30 bucks off right now. Matt, thanks for coming on the program. Yeah. Great, great good to see you, man. Good to be, man. All right. Back in a second. Talked about the free market solving problems. Like, what about a real estate agent? You don't know who to go to. You're trying to figure out what real estate agent to pick. You want people competing. You want people who, are, who have you know, been screened, who know what they're doing, who show real performance over a long period of time. That's what realestateagentsitrust.com does. Glenn, yes, our own Glenn Beck, had a bad experience after bad experience after bad experience with real estate agents. He thought there's got to be a better way to do that. He innovated and created this company, RealEstateAgentsITrust.com, and now it is there for you to find the best real estate agent in your area. If you're moving across the country, going to an area you're not familiar with, if you don't have an agent that you like, uh, if everyone, uh, you know, every, if you've been too many times to RealEstateAgentsWhoSuck.com, don't do that again. RealEstateAgentsITrust.com is the place to go. Go there now, get the best real estate agent in your area. It's RealEstateAgentsITrust.com. So we got like, a, I'm running so late, maybe a minute left. We didn't have a chance to get everything today. But I want to tell you about Mattress Mac. Mattress Mac is this guy. We've talked about him before on radio. Guy who, uh, one of the hurricanes, like just opened up his stores because people were homeless and just let people come in and sleep on the mattresses. Uh, this guy's amazing. He's got a new thing he's started up. And basically what he's doing is he had these huge showrooms and, you know, they were really big and kind of overwhelming and maybe too many options out there. And some of the customers said that. And he also was getting a lot more orders online, didn't need to have as big of a showroom. And then, you know, COVID kicks in. Everyone's ordering everything um, uh, online. So he decided to just turn a giant chunk of his showrooms into schools to help people. Uh, 2,500 applicants uh, went to it. They had, they had a high school. They had a trade school, a daycare, 17,000 welder openings he was trying to to, to fit, fix. This guy has just done everything the right way. And it's nice to see someone who has deep faith um, highlighted uh, for actually helping the community instead of being vilified. Back in a second. So do you think the federal government is doing a good job managing the dollar? If you're like me, the answer probably is no. And, you know, multiple trillions of dollars of spending are right around the corner with coronavirus and everything else. Uh, You might want to buy some gold as an investment, and you know I think that's something we've talked about before. It's a good idea maybe to you know hedge against the future and uh, broaden your horizons in your portfolio or whatever. The problem with it's really hard to actually access that. You get coins. What are you going to do with a gold? You're going to take a big gold brick and just like hey, here's 7-Eleven, please, can I pay for this Slurpee? It's not going to work very well. GlintPay has solved that problem. They give you a MasterCard, so you're buying actual real gold. It's held for you in a brick. Vault in Switzerland, protected fully. You get the advantage of a gold investment and the accessibility of a normal debit card. Uh, glintpay.com, G-L-I-N-T pay.com slash stew. Glintpay.com slash stew. Uh, the slash stew part of the address is important because that's how they know you like this stupid show. We're fight this is a, you can put yourself on your own personal gold standard. It's really cool. Glintpay.com slash stew. get your Christmas shopping done now at stewdoesmerch.com. We've got the Santifa Claus shirts and mugs. One of the big sellers so far has been the mug of the uh, cityscape on fire with the Christmas tree that says it's not a riot. It's just a mostly peaceful tree lighting. Look, we just peacefully lit the tree and the city on fire. Merry Christmas. Get in the Christmas spirit and enjoy it. We'll see you next week.